0: All right. Hey, here's what we're going to do today. Uh, We're going to work our way through 2 Corinthians, a a really important passage uh, that I think is hopefully going to recalibrate us a little bit uh, as to what our mission is as a church. Let me tell you kind of overarching where we are. We just finished our series on spiritual growth, what we called Grow, and all of those messages are online. You can check out our website, listen to those messages from there. If you missed any, download all the notes. Today we're going to do kind of a standalone vision and mission message, kind of recalibrating what we're doing here. Um, And then for the rest of June and July, we're going to do kind of some standalone messages uh, where we kind of handle some things and touch on some stuff that I want to touch on. And then in August, beginning of August, all the way through, I think, November or even mid-November or mid-December, we're going to do a book study on the book of Nehemiah. We're going to preach all the way through Nehemiah. We're going to read every verse. We're going to... Uh, glean the wisdom from nehemiah i think it is incredibly applicable to us today as a church nehemiah is about a a group of people god's people in the old testament going back to restore broken down jerusalem and rebuild the wall there's so many lessons in that book for us about being a people on mission for the purposes of jesus in our area and so we're gonna we're gonna work through nehemiah 13 chapters from august until december we've got our I'm um, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious intern, Robert Ward, um, studying that book backwards and forwards. He's going to be doing a lot of research on it for us and helping us with that. And um, and then in July, actually, where's Robert? I saw him here earlier. Robert's going to be preaching a message in mid-July, so he's going to shuck it down for us. That's going to be exciting. But uh, get ready for Nehemiah coming in August. But um, today we're going to be in Second Corinthians 5. And uh, occasionally, has has you guys have seen me do this before? I want to just take an opportunity to just share my heart about where we are as a church, to speak about some things that I think are challenges of ours, um, to to speak about some things that I think we really need to think about, that we need to reengage our heart with, that we need to kind of recalibrate our mind and our our spirit with about what God is doing with us. So today. We're gonna do that and um and it's not gonna be the usual kind of expositional preaching through a passage. I'm gonna read through one passage, make one overarching point, and then uh hopefully stir our hearts with some things. So well before I read, let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, thank you that we can gather, that we can open up the Bible, that we can sing songs to Jesus, that we can that we can worship you that we can greet one another that we can teach our children truths about you that we can send our kids into classes with people that we know that love you that are volunteering they're folks just like us that are pouring out the love of christ to kids i thank you god that on a on a hot blazing summer day in the south we can come into a room with air conditioning that works pretty good and we can sit in chairs and we can drive cars and we can, we can just ex- enjoy the freedoms of life in a country that is uh, very blessed but often very, very selfish. And so, God, as we're, as we're in the middle of a culture that we sort of subconsciously worship so often, would you, would you give us the wisdom of your Holy Spirit now to, to give us enlightenment and to draw us away from just cultural Christianity? And to raise our hearts and our minds to something more profound, something greater, something much more biblical. And would you stir our hearts for a passion for the mission of Jesus and for the building of the church? And would you help us remain humble? Would you help us not get agitated or irritated or um, selfish? But would you help us for the sake of the kingdom of God in our place? and the the winning of many lives to you God would you would you begin to lift and stir and create in us a sort of gracious humble holy discontent with where we are and uh, and today especially God i pray that you'd encourage dads the mission that we have been given as a church it rests on the shoulders of humble gracious godly men who will not lord their authority over women, but who will lay down their lives for women and children, but yet who will not abdicate their spiritual responsibility to women so that women have to lead out of place, but rather give us men on this Father's Day and give the men in this room a sense of encouragement and boldness and confidence to be humble servant leaders like Jesus. And now give us enlightenment as we read this passage and be with me today, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're parachuting down into a verse once again in 2 Corinthians, so um, let me just give you kind of a, a backdrop of what's going on in the greater letter of 2 Corinthians. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to these people. And just a little bit of encouragement, you know, we we sometimes get discouraged when we hear about, you know, People in the church that are not really kind of who you think they are. I mean, the, the the problems in the Corinthian church are just remarkable. They're incredibly gifted people, but yet they're also incredibly carnal people in a lot of ways. I mean, some of the problems that, that are written about in his first letter to the Corinthians is, are, are striking. There's a whole bunch of immorality on every level. There's drunkenness. There's sexual immorality. There's pride. There's selfishness. And Paul is writing to these group of people that are incredibly gifted, even as they're incredibly selfish. And, and it's these type of people that God uses. And then he writes another letter to them, which is what we have now as Second Corinthians, where for the most part, Paul is in a sense, kind of defending his ministry against people in the city of Corinth and in the church of Corinth who are trying to refute the authenticity of his, of his ministry. And so we pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 11, and this is what he says. We're going to read through the end of the chapter pretty quickly. We want to make one major point and then unpack, unpack some uh, vision and, and mission statements for you guys. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, it says, this is Paul, he says, therefore... Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. In other words, God has so consumed our lives, not this sense of fear like we're we're, we're we're cowering in a corner, but because God has been so good to us, because He has rescued us from the domain of darkness, because Jesus has come and, and given us new life, we... We now don't let that terminate on ourselves. It's not about us and a kind of a holy little huddle, you know, going to buy the latest release at Lifeway or Sanctuary or you know watch the newest little episode from you know the the, the little DVD series. It is it is it is now like it is a conduit. Now we 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 now because Christ has lived for us, we are now free to live for others. And so we persuade others. Right there in that first sentence, is, there's this sense that we're on a mission. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, we're a totally above board here. We're about the gospel and nothing else. Verse 12, he says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not what is in the heart. That's kind of a confusing sentence. What Paul is saying here is, is he's saying, hey, I want you to be able to tell people about our ministry among you, that it was legit, that it was all about Jesus and not about us. And so in a sense, we want to validate what we're doing here so that when you refute the people who are speaking against my ministry in Corinth, you can know that really your, your boast in me is really not about me, but it's about the Christ in me is what he's saying. So verse 13, he goes on and he says, for if we are, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. In other words, if you think I'm crazy, man, if you think I'm just, if you think I'm, I'm, I'm out in left field with my back to the plate, I mean, if you think I'm a nut, it's because Christ has consumed my soul, man. Like I know that I have to be careful because I have a I have a little bit of an extroverted personality and, and, and. And so sometimes I think that what people that have such personalities do is they think that anybody that's passionate about anything, they've got to be passionate about it like you, you are. And that's not necessarily the case. But the point is, is that if you, you know, what Paul is saying here is that, look, Christianity, the, the, the message of the cross, the gospel that Jesus has died for me, that he, has, that he has forgiven me, that he has rescued me, that he has filled me with his Holy Spirit. And now he has me on a mission to to not just live for myself, but to give myself away, that makes me sort of an oddball, a foreigner, an alien, a strange person in this culture. And so, so what I want you to know is that, is that if you think I'm crazy, I am for Christ, is what Paul is saying. And whether or not you're an extrovert, or whether or not you are just kind of a, a more quiet, reserved person... Regardless, there is a way of living just, just beside yourself because your your life is consumed, not with yourself, but with what God wants to do through you for His glory. It's just a, a beautiful, like like other, uh, strange, awkward, not of this world sort of passion. You know, some of the best Christians are people who, who like they don't really fit in this world. You know what I mean? I mean, there's this... There's this kind of this movement in church ministry and culture today where we gotta be hip and cool and the pastor's gotta have stonewashed jeans and soul patches and, 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 and I heard another word for that soul patch. It's also called a monkey paw or whatever, that little patch of what you, whatever you got right there. I mean, shave it or grow a whole goatee. I don't know what you, and then like the, you know, we, we wanna be cool. And I'm not against being cool if it's going to somehow be a, a way to, to, to draw people to, to Christ. But when, when it kind of becomes more about fitting in and being helpful and relevant and hip in this culture and not about just being crazy for Jesus and what He's doing in you and through us, then, then there's something off there. Some of the best Christians I know are just awkward, nerdy, strange people. <laughs> all right. That's all I got on that. So we're beside ourselves for God. If we are in our right mind, it is it is for you. Listen to this, verse 14. So let me back up on that. If you're a kind of dorky, like, be encouraged, man. Like, no, I'm serious. No, really, you know, some, one of, some guy's looking at his buddy saying, thumbs up, buddy, you're all right. No, I mean... Like there's this pressure, and I think it has to do with the, the the media. Everybody knows everything about everything. We can click on the internet and see all the latest styles. We can we're just so connected, and what that does is it creates a constant culture of comparison, where we are constantly comparing ourselves to one another and 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 what we do then is our all of our emotional and spiritual energy is on the horizontal and 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 very little of our energy is on just absolutely giving our heart completely and our mind and our ways to christ and that seeps into the church even doesn't it and so we you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, how do we compare to that church? And, you know, we, do we have as many people as them? Are we as good? as our music as good? Is, is our preacher as good? Is it all? And it's just insanity, isn't it? And it's so carnal. It's so fleshly. And it's so us-oriented. And I, I tell you, I, I constantly have to fight that because I'm listening to people all the time. I'm, I'm an observer of culture. I'm an observer of church culture. I'm constantly listening to other people preach, checking out other websites, all the time. And, 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 you know, it's okay to be kind of awkward and not super confident and kind of goofy and, and just sort of, sort of, sort of like a, a fish out of water in this culture. In fact, I think that's maybe more, more there's more potentiality for Christlikeness in that than there is being the, the person who always just seems to be so relevant and hip and cool. So, nerds for Jesus, let's start a new ministry. Verse 14. For the love of Christ, listen to this, think about this, just think about this. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Very simply, I think, oftentimes in church culture, we present a personal gospel, where Jesus has come to rescue you, and and these are the benefits that He has for you. And because we just want people to come, and I guess you know, we just kind of want folks in seats, we we personalize the gospel. And yes, the gospel must be must be received personally. But but then but then there's this there's this sense that Christ then turns you outward so that you live for him and on his message. And then the love of Christ controls you to then live no longer for yourself, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And and that applies to us individually and it applies to us as a church that we're not we're not here to build something for ourselves. We're not here to react to church culture we're not here to you know do it differently we're not here we're just we're here to as christ made us let him come rescue us save us control us so that we would no longer live for ourselves but for jesus who died for us and was raised verse 16 from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded christ according to the flesh we regard him thus no longer so paul's making a statement there he's saying hey you know, we, we don't we're not we're not divvied up by these by these racial barriers. We're not divvied up by um, these different cultural barriers. We're not we're not black and white. We're not Jew and Gentile. We're not we're not uh, liturgical and contemporary. We're not old and young. We're not west coast or east coast. We're not, we're not all these little things that divide us. And when we see people, we, we now, because God has been so gracious to us, we are now free from seeing them as something that is scary to us or different from us. But now we are free to see them as people that now we can love and embrace. And in fact, they are our mission. And I have to think about this all the time. Like, how do we see people? How do I see people? Do I really, really, really want like people not like me, to fill this church? Do we really, really, really want that? And Paul says here, we regard no one according to the flesh. And even though he says, in a sense, we we once regarded Christ this way. And what he's saying there is he was saying, I was a Jew who rejected Christ and thought that he was was not what was the answer, but now I realize that he is the answer. In verse 17, one of the most important and beautiful verses in the entire Scripture, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Just think about the power and the beauty and the freedom of that verse alone. That when you are in Christ, no matter what your life has been up to that point, you you are a new creation. All things become new. Not for yourself, but so now that in your your broken past and now in your beautiful present that Christ can get glory through you. I mean, when we read this verse, and we're going to unpack it here just a little bit as we go on, is that this should free us from having to think that, oh, I'm not the type of person that God uses because God gets in a person that's broken and messed up and far from God. He rescues them, and then He uses their life as a trophy or a display of His grace. So so why do we why do we try and hide? I'm not saying we go around saying, This is boy, this is what I was doing six years ago, but we're just we're honest and we're open and we're we're grateful for what God has done in our lives because all things have become new if we're truly in Christ. In verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So this is incredibly important. Here's what's happening. God is saving individuals, and then he is giving them this 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 thing called the gospel this this piece of truth that trains that changes lives and he is now he is now entrusting to places like crosspoint to people like us he is entrusting to us his ministry like he's giving us he's making now i think it's really important that we 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 make sure that we clearly establish some things about god god is sovereign God, God doesn't need us. God can do, here's the definition of sovereignty. God can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants, with whomever he wants, whyever he wants, however he wants. I think I'm repeating myself. Whatever he wants, you get the idea. God, God was not like up in heaven and it was the Trinity and they kind of got bored with each other and they said, oh, we need something. And so they created people No, just out of the overflow of His goodness for His own glory and pleasure, He creates us. He in His own sovereign mysterious will allows sin to come in and wreak havoc and death and then He through his mysterious will before the foundations of time sends Christ to die for us and now to rescue fallen humanity. And then he 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 works through those fallen now redeemed humans to actually win other fallen soon to be redeemed humans. Like just think of the 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 just the humility and the beauty of that that God has God has given ministry to us to actually be people that 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 preach the message of good news to the world so that means and again i I want to be careful here how i word this because we don't want to in any way refute the sovereignty of god but that means that even though god is sovereign he has chosen to work through us therefore apart from us Christ does not move in the ministry of reconciliation on this earth so unless unless people like us respond to obey Jesus the ministry of reconciliation i.e. the 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 growth of the kingdom of God doesn't happen I mean it doesn't happen look one of the themes that I No, you know that I believe in is the sovereignty of God. In fact, that's that's been a, a bit controversial. But as much as we talk about the sovereignty of God, you also have to let that work its way through the scriptures like this that say that if people like us don't stop living for themselves and realize their responsibility in the gospel, the gospel will not go forward. And so, from God's perspective, He is sovereign from eternity past to eternity future. God knows tomorrow, so in a sense is tomorrow set? Yes, but as far as we are concerned, tomorrow is not set. So there are people that need to hear about Jesus, that won't hear about Jesus, unless conditional statement, unless people like us get a hold of this verse and stop living for ourselves. That is, that's huge! And I don't think that's contradictory with the sovereignty of God. I think it is this mysterious combination of divine sovereignty and human responsibility that now God is, through us, saying, don't live for yourselves. Don't be cultural little Christians. Don't only shop at Lifeway. Don't only go to the sanctuary. Don't only do your little holy huddles. Don't look down your nose at people because you were once one of them. Now get out in amongst them and take the gospel to them. And if, here's the implications of that, if you don't see that, it doesn't happen. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors go from their land to another and they take up residence there and they represent a sovereign that's what we are they are we are ambassadors for christ god making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god and verse 21 my favorite verse in the bible for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin in other words god the father made christ god the son sin my sin your sin to be our sin even though he knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god in other words so that all those who would believe in Jesus and turn and trust and commit the rest of their lives to following him in humble obedience for his glory, for our own good and for our joy. That he then threw them in them because of Christ by the by the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, by giving us the presence and the life of Christ in us would make us the righteousness of God. That's that's what we're doing here as a church. So a couple things about what our vision is, what our what our what our heartbeat here is at Crosspoint. And the first is, is, if I could summarize this whole passage in just one sentence, I would say that it is it is simply saying that we that the gospel. And you can put that first statement up there on the screen. The gospel pushes us outward to live not for ourselves but for others. The gospel pushes us outward to live for Jesus' mission. Rather than ourselves, so we're people that are we're people that are on mission here. We've got something to do, other than just gather together on Sunday mornings. We've got a we've got a mission to do, which is to take the gospel to a religious but lost culture that we live in in the Bible Belt. How do we do that? How do we implore people to live for Jesus? I think the first thing is you can put it up there is that we. We're people that care more about the mission than we do attraction. And what do I mean by that? Okay, I think it's really important that we get people to come, that we do things that would attract people to come here. But there's there's kind of a ministry philosophy I think that we need to be careful that we don't fall into. And that is this kind of this attractional idea of ministry where we do a bunch of stuff, we get smoke and laser lights and you know great music and drama and super duper video technical stuff and you know the pastor repels in from the roof and you know it's kind of like whoa and i look we may do stuff that that might be kind of like that if it if it is helpful for the sake of the gospel and i'm not saying those things are bad but what oftentimes happens when you go down that route when you kind of make your whole deal like the sunday morning event is you have to keep you have to keep bettering yourself you know you have to keep making it bigger and better because people people grow used to like events and there's no way listen there's no way that the church can kind of compete with american culture out there when it comes to putting on events and so Yeah, we want to make a big deal about attracting people. We want to do things excellently. And hey, maybe look, we may have a we may have a laser light machine someday, but we don't want to we don't want to put all of our eggs in attracting people with some sort of hyped up event. Because I think what happens then is once you get them there with that, you have to keep doing that to keep stimulating them. It's like raising kids on Nickelodeon. And that's all they watch. And then he's trying to get them to read a book. And they're like, oh, they're like a sentence into the book. And they're like, forget about it. And so, so we want to be people that don't see like what we our main mission here is getting people to come and see a show. But, but getting people into a room with simplicity, with power, with passion, with authenticity, with, with, with simple songs and with simple explanation of the scripture. We want to we get people in this room, tell them about Jesus, model worshiping for Jesus to them, show them the love of Jesus and then send them out to actually be the love of Jesus in their workplace, in their places of recreation, in wherever they go. Like churches now they'll they'll put they'll spend all this money making like a like a cafe or a uh a a, a a coffee bar or some like internet cafe. They'll they'll spend thousands of dollars to do that in their church. When when why don't we why don't we just why don't you pick up a why don't we pick up a cup of coffee at Starbucks, get in a relationship with the barista at Starbucks, learn their name, eventually invite them to church and have them come here rather than trying to get everybody to come here. We'll have a little ministry for you here. We'll have a little ministry for you here. We'll have a rock climbing wall for your kids. We'll have a little pool out back. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then everybody come, because, look, we come, come, come. And you know what that does? It teaches people to be catered to. And there's nothing in the Bible about us, once we come to Christ, not letting Him serve us. Now, I'm not saying we don't do attractional things. I'm just saying that our mission here is to bring people, tell them simply about Jesus, sing about Jesus, worship Jesus, model the love of Jesus, and then send ourselves out to actually be Jesus in our city. So we want to be heavier on mission than we do and the mission, meaning representing Jesus in our lives rather than just our church services than we do about attracting people to Ourselves on Sunday morning. The next is that we we want to we want to, and this is hard. This is, I had I had uh, this, I had this romantic notion when we started the church four years ago, that we would say that, hey, we want to be a church that's based, that's really really one of our heartbeats is light, is self, like small groups, people getting together in one another's homes, and I had these visions of us, just really committing to that. And it's been much more of a challenge than I realized it would be because we're busy people. We're we're um, we're we're socially kind of we're 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 cautious. Like we, Jennifer and I moved into a neighborhood about an hour about an hour and a half ago about a year and a half ago, <laughs> and um, I was looking forward to moving into a neighborhood because you, know, you get to meet the neighbors and stuff. And for the first month or so, I sat out on my front porch, and nobody's outside anymore. Like I'm way, like people drive down, waving, you know, and they're like, <laughs> you know, they're like, who's the crazy guy that just moved in on the house on the left? I mean, there's this sort of this strange thing where we're, we're fearfully, you know, like kids, you know, we just it's different now. We don't, we don't, kids don't ride their bikes to school. We don't hang out on the front lawns. It's just kind of we're a little bit more. I think because we're busier, it's just this, it's a different it's a different culture we live in. And so um, what we do is we create events. And and we, we just kind of want people to come, but we never really connect. And and what, one of our heartbeats here is that we would be people that don't just gather in one room with rows, but we, we, we scatter throughout the week and we get to know one another. And, we, and and I think Sunday school has been a good model that worked for churches in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even 90s. But I think the problem with Sunday school, even if we had a building with a bazillion rooms, is that Sunday school becomes... And forgive me if I'm stepping on your golden calf right now, but maybe it needs to be stepped on. Sunday school, I don't think we'll ever have Sunday school here. Because Sunday school is a very kind of inward-focused Christian thing. Where, where it can be very, very helpful for people that have been Christians for a long time and they come. But to ask a person who's not a believer to come to church at 8.30 in the morning, sit in a class for an hour, then come and worship for an hour. It's just, it's not realistic anymore. And and so I don't think Sunday school is the way to go for the adult uh, for the adult ministries. I think the way to go is that we get into each other's houses, meet out in the community again, not trying to get everybody to come to a building, but that the people who know Jesus leave the building and start gathering in one another's homes, gathering in places of business, gathering. And so that so that we now serve one another as a community rather than consuming the ministry of just a few. So, we've got to get to this place where, where life point groups become the heartbeat of our church and where the leader of a life point group is, is sort of like a shepherd or a, an underpastor, that he, he or her, their ministry to that person is just as valid as the ministry of a pastor or an elder on staff of a church, rather than an idea where several hundred people come and they kind of consume the ministry of just a few. And we've need, we desperately need more people to do two things. To so number 1, just church-wide just kind of commit to this deal and say, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to break through that awkwardness and I'm going to I'm going to try a life point group." And then we desperately need people that have been here for a while to be trained to be life point group members. You don't have to be a Bible study teacher. You can just be a person who's good at hosting folks in your home. Open up your house. I mean, pour some chips in a bowl and buy some bean dip. And and then and then and then let people come into your home and connect. And if nothing else, just get together and pray and say, hey, man, how you doing? And that's it. it doesn't have to be some super spiritual moment. It's just an, a moment where we connect and get to know one another. We serve one another. We know each other's needs. That person's in the hospital. They have a baby. They're going through a rough patch. We bring them meals. It's just a way of doing life together. And I want it to catch fire in our church. And, and quite honestly, it hasn't yet. And it's not your fault. I think it's, it's really... It's really ours. I've just got to do, we've got to do a better job as leadership is making this part of the fabric of the church. But know that I think that is super, super important. Like, <laughs> well, I could go on, but I'll say some things that I regret. Okay, next one. Depth versus width. We've, you know, we we want people to come. I want I want hundreds. I mean, there's... There's 350,000 people that live in the Chattahoochee Valley, Muscogee County area, Harris County, that whole, maybe more than that. And although we've got a church on every street corner, more than 50% of those people at least are are not true believers in Jesus and are not following him with their lives. And, of course, of the 50% that are affiliated with some church, it's debatable as to whether or not they really know him or not as well. And so the point is, is that there's hundreds of thousands of people out there that we need to reach and preach Jesus to so that they would come. And so we want people to come. But what I mean when I say depth versus width is, is that, is that I, I don't want us to just be satisfied with growing numerically as a church. But I want our growth to be judged by whether or not we truly have people how many ever that is that are actually sinking their teeth into the ways of christ and growing in him and living out this verse that we just read and being ambassadors for christ look this is just the cold hard truth the gospel the true gospel is offensive and when it is truly preached it will cause division and and when you talk about jesus Paul puts it this way in the same letter that we read from in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 at the end of that. Chapter, he says that it is like a fragrance of Christ. To some, it is the aroma of life leading to life. To those that are being saved, it's the aroma of life. To those that are not saved, it is the aroma of death. And so so we don't we don't ever want to water down Jesus. We don't ever want to attract people with some sort of dumbed-down, sort of seeker-sensitive deal. Of course, we want to be sensitive to those who are seekers, but we don't want to gear everything we do so so that, so that it's not offensive, so that we can just get them in the door, so that down the road we can tell them about Jesus. That is not, I don't think that's biblically faithful. I think that we talk about Jesus. I think we, we, don't, we don't do relevant hip stuff and then in the secret little places like the little, you know, small groups, then we talk about books of the Bible. No, we preach straight from the scriptures. And we, we go through it and we connect everything to Jesus and His death on the cross and His resurrection and the exclusivity of Jesus and the bloody, difficult, horrific death of God and the fact that you must respond to Him. I think, I think we, we go deep on that every Sunday morning. We do it in Sunday morning. We don't wait for you to get close to us or for some seeker to be happy with us because we're, we're cool. We go up front with what we're all about. And so, you gotta know that our heartbeat here is to go deep. We're gonna talk about Jesus. We're not gonna do shock and awe sermon series. We're not gonna do super hoop, you know, relevant stuff. We're gonna talk about the cross and the need of every person in this world to respond to it up front on Sunday mornings all the time. We're gonna go deep. And hopefully that'll cause us to go wide, but we'd rather go, we'd rather go deep. And then the fourth thing. Is, is that this will require from us sacrifice over entitlement. Okay? Weird things happen when people kind of form a church and they just kind of get used to stuff. And you guys are not this way. I mean, this is not us. I just feel the need to kind of constantly remind us of this so that we don't fall into this trap. But Jesus dies for us so that we can lay down our lives for other people, not so that we can now all of a sudden kind of be a group of people who get our preference and do our thing, but Jesus dies for us so that we can sacrifice. I think there's a couple things that are going to be real important to us that I want you to pray with for us and with me, and then we'll end. We'll receive communion for those that uh, want to receive communion and and just do some some, uh, business with God. God may be speaking to your heart about something completely unrelated to what I'm talking about today. You may want to just come receive communion and remember the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus by the bread and the juice. You may need prayer for something. You may just want to worship God. You may want to thank him for your great dad. You, you Whatever, you, we're going to respond to Jesus in just a second. But let me give you a couple things that I want us to pray for specifically. Number one, um, I want us to be praying earnestly and fervently that God would open a door for another location for us. The schoolhouse is wonderful. It's very Enchanting. It's about 178 degrees in here right now. I realize the air conditioner didn't kick in too good this morning, and but it's really cool. Uh, We really like this place, but this is not the most functional place for us to be able to do ministry in a in a in a real excellent way because. A good part of the church doesn't live out in this area, and also we can only get this building on Sunday mornings. And so it's hard for us to do sustained ministry where we have a building. Again, not to say that we want to bring people to a building, but it can be a base of operations. And so we we really think that it's probably the wisdom of God and good strategy for us to move back into town or closer to town, I realize that some of you that live out in this area, I hope that doesn't disenfranchise you at all. I hope you realize that that is really kind of a thing that we're thinking about. This is best for the mission. And as we look for a building, guys, this is our philosophy. We do not want to, remember that last word, sacrifice versus entitlement. We've got in the bank right now, without even trying, without even talking about like a property fund, without any thermometers on the stage or, you know. Without us coming up saying you gotta give, I mean we haven't even talked about that. I've, in four years, I've preached two messages on giving in general, and that's not—I'm not proud of that. I think it's—it's it's a deficiency in my in my teaching, I think we need to do a better job. But we're not going to get up here and beat you guys over the head and, you know, do some prosperity thing, sow your seed, and God will bless you. I mean all this crazy stuff that people do. But there may become a time when we say, hey, we're gonna, we've got a building that we want to get, and we ask you to give to it. But here's the deal. Just kind of without even trying, we've got about $850,000 in a money market account, just short of $900,000, and just sitting there. Look, if that was $9 million right now, I, I don't think we would go just buy a piece of land and build some Taj Mahal on it. Because I think that's a bad investment. What that does is it teaches us to be consumers and to be entitled. We, we, but having said that, I think it is very strategic for us to look for a functional place where we can do more sustained, sustained ministry for the fame and the cause of Christ and then also not be encumbered by debt so that we can continue to give money away to individuals that are missionaries so that we can continue to bless ministries in our area that are preaching Jesus and so that we can continue to grow the staff so that we can have more people, not stuff, but people that are freed up to preach and teach about Jesus. That's just a philosophy we have. Having said that, if you- nine million dollars and you want to give it to us, give it to us. But I'm telling you, we're not we're not we're not gonna spend it all on ourselves. And so I want you to pray for a building, a space. But I want to put in your mind what that building should look like. It's not going to be all tricked out and cool and padded seats and, you know, stuff. It's gonna be some walls and a roof and some functional space for us to Get outside of ourselves and tell people about Jesus. And I think it's going to be a lot closer in town, out of necessity. The second thing that, we, um, that I want you to be praying for is that we, we've talked about this a lot, but we're we really looking earnestly for a, somebody that could come and give kind of full-time oversight and supervision to our children's ministry. And um, there's not a lot of people out there that are called to do that. And there's, of those that are called, that feel called to do that, there's not a lot out there that are trained well to do that. And of those that are trained and called, not all of those people necessarily fit with us. And so it's a limited pool of people out there. And I want you to pray that God would, would give us wisdom in that area. And not just in children's ministry, but that we would continue to be able to grow the church with staff, bring people on board full time so that we would be able to better Let the love of Christ control us and take message of the gospel outside of ourselves and not grow so that 10 years from now or 15 years from now, we just become kind of this selfish, inward-looking, mad, angry, arrogant church that compares itself to other people that is just kind of weird and inward-grown. You ever been at one of those? Some of us probably have. We don't want to get like that. And so although this isn't the super most exciting message in the world, I think it's necessary for us. We're people that are on mission. We're not just trying to attract people to a building. We're people that, that care much more about gathering together as a community where people serve one another. They don't just come to consume a program. We're people that, that care about going deep with the message of the scriptures rather than just getting a bunch of people to show up so that we're happy with ourselves. And we're people that care about sacrificing, laying down our lives, and not just being people that get stuff or that are entitled to stuff so that Jesus can be made famous, which then brings us the most joy and makes more fulfilling than anything else. That's what we're striving for here. So. Would you strive with me? Um, would you pray along those lines, and um, would we spend these next ten or fifteen minutes worshiping Jesus, asking Jesus to help us, giving our lives to Jesus? Maybe God has put something on your heart, and maybe God is saying hey you need to you need to be a little bit more about letting the love of Christ control you would you Would you do that with God? Would you do business with god would you would we would we let ourselves be opened up to the great possibility that God might use us in a really profound and beautiful way? Or would we be open to the possibility just to be utterly humble and to just be as biblically faithful as we can? And maybe God doesn't do anything super miraculous through us. Okay, fine, but we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to the book and to his way. So let um, me just spend the next 15 minutes. Saying, God, would You do that? Would You do that through us? Let's pray, Lord. As we um, as we move into responding to You, and as we as we prepare to sing a few songs, or receive communion, or get prayed for, or contemplate what You have been, You want to say to us through these scriptures. God, would You? you do something in my heart me personally God so often I am too easily satisfied with people that I already know that are happy with what I'm doing and so I I just get into a rut and it's easy God it would be so easy for me to just kind of check the box here and just preach kind of good solid word based messages and make sure everything's faithful and you know kind of do our thing and but god is that is that really i mean really yeah that's part of it, but god you you want to stretch us beyond that, God, you want us to lay down you want the love of Christ to control us, you have a ministry of reconciliation that you want to work through us through me so God make me I pray that by your grace through the power of your Holy Spirit because of the fame of Jesus would you make me a better communicator of the gospel would you would you make us collectively as a body would you make us exude the aroma of Christ more strongly God would you put the mission of Jesus on our hearts more passionately god would you would you help us not just build a church service but a missional organic jesus loving self-dying people loving gracious humble powerful passionate body of believers that will will just lay down their life and would you, would you help us fight the current in our life that just wants us to get married, have a couple kids, get a decent house and go to football games. God, would you help us fight that? God, it's, it's so on me. I, I can feel that, that. Just that desire to just ride out self-pleasure. Just, just to live for myself. Just the American dream. God, that is, that is so Contrary to what the scriptures call us do. And God, would you shake me, me, from that. And would you constantly remind me and this group of people by your spirit that you call us to lay down our lives. Which brings, which actually brings just the greatest joy that can be found on this earth. To be used by Jesus, to die to yourself, to live to you, to respond, to be an ambassador for Christ, to live as if we're in a foreign land representing the sovereign king of the universe. God, help us do that. Help us do that. For the person in here that thinks, yeah, I'd love to do that, but I'm not qualified. God, would you let the devil, would you shut his mouth because he's a liar? We are all whack, dreadfully sinful people. We are all desperately carnal. And apart from your grace, God, none of us is qualified to do anything for you. But by your grace, for those of us that have responded to you, we become new creations. So for the person that thinks, no, not me, I could never be used, that is an outright lie straight from hell. God, would you just would you speak by your Spirit those words today into their heart and let them know that that's not the case? And for the person who's become comfortable and self-content, God, would you, let, would you let the love of Christ control them? And God, in the coming months and years as a church, would we, would we care more about the good news of Jesus hitting lost and dead souls and bringing them to life? Would we care more about that beautiful miracle than we would about enjoyable church services? And now, God, I pray that we'd respond. We'd respond in communion and prayer and worship in whatever way you're calling us to. And for your beautiful, beautiful name, the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.